The one thing I love about homeschooling is that we can make it what we want it to be. They're learning about how to own their own schoolwork, own their own schedules, get their things done. And alongside that, I have my own business that I own and my husband does freelance videography work as well. And having that kind of flexibility in our schedules, you know, feeds into homeschooling as well. But then my kids are seeing how we pivot our days and we make the days what we want them to look like. What I've seen is a traditional structure is school is here, kids are here, work is here, and they're kind of their own separate buckets. I don't view it that way. I view them all intertwined together. And so, yes, I do take time to, you know, vision plan for my business and stuff on my own without my children. My husband does the same thing, but everything else, they kind of flow in and out with us. So there are times whenever um, my oldest, that's now nine, is learning kind of the bookkeeping side of my cinnamon roll business, which is beautiful. Or there's times now, even when my six-year-old helps pack up stuff that my husband takes on a film shoot because they're interested in what we're doing and we're, we're bringing them into our entrepreneurship life. And so I want to teach them these business skill sets and life skill sets through their teenage years and give them the empowerment to make the choices of where they want to go in life and, and allow that opportunity to happen. Welcome to Juggling Joy, the podcast for loving parents who know the juggle is real. In this episode, I sit down with Deidre Honey of Leander, Texas. She is the owner of Sweet Dough, where she sells her delicious handmade sourdough cinnamon rolls. She talks about how homeschooling and being an entrepreneurial family go hand in hand, and how she's passing on good money habits to her kids. She also gives her tips for making meaningful connections while networking. Stick around to the end for a lightning round where she tells us her go-to order at her favorite local burger joint and answers the age-old question, cake or pie? Welcome to the show, Deidre. Hello, hello. Tell us a little bit about what you're juggling right now. Well, I homeschool my three kids. They are nine, six, and four. They're so much fun. Um, so I have all of that that I do. I'm also um, an entrepreneur, so I have my own business um, called Sweet Dough that's up and up and running for a couple years now, so that's super fun. Um, I run a women's group in town because I'm, I'm passionate about building community between other women in the, in the area. And then, you know, I'm a wife. I'm married to a wonderful man, and I have that whole relationship and dynamic as well. So Yeah, it's a lot. It is. <laughs> So you have three kids. How much of a help are your older kids with your younger kids? You know, I tell people we just kind of reached the second life is what I'm calling it to where, you know, my kids aren't trying to eat Legos anymore or <laughs> falling down the stairs, although they still do sometimes. But my oldest nine is learning how to, you know, play with them and interact with them more. He even will walk them down to the mailbox for me when they want to go check the mail or even stay with them longer at the park. And it's been really helpful having him be the oldest one. And then my old, my younger ones, I guess, no longer being in that little toddler stage. So I feel like we're kind of in a sweet spot where they all still want to play together. And my nine-year-old's not too cool not to play with them at the same time. Um, so he's he's just been a blessing for sure. That's so awesome. I can't even imagine my five-year-old helping out with my three-year-old. Yeah, my two youngest ones, no. that They're like, 
fire. They just explode when they're together. But my oldest one somehow just evens everybody out. Nice. Mm -hmm. So you're homeschooling all three of these children. I do. Now, I don't homeschool on my own. So we go to a co-op three days a week. Um, we're all about village lifestyle mentality. And so when we decided to homeschool, I was actually, uh, it was three weeks before my oldest was going to go to school. I was eight months pregnant and my husband, he kind of just thought, okay, she's just having a hard time, you know, sending the oldest to school. But it was something I was just, I just kept wrestling with all summer long. And I decided we're going to try this out for a year. It aligns with what our family wants to do with our values as a family. Let's try it out and just see what happens. There's no harm. It's kindergarten. It'll be fine. Um, and so we took the dive and I found this wonderful co-op that we go to. And the girl that runs it is now my best friend. We're next door neighbors now. And um, it was just a great fit for us. And we just haven't looked back ever since. So wow. we, yeah, we go three days a week, a few hours every day, and they have their community of friends there. And we just knock it out and have fun. It's so cool that you found a BFF right next door doing the same thing. Yeah, right next door. We weren't neighbors until about a year ago. And so we've kind of got to, and she has kids that are the same ages as, as mine. And so they've kind of just grown up together. And it's been really beautiful to see those friendships form. That is a dream. You mentioned having values as a family. What do you value as a family? So we wanted the flexibility with our kids to teach them not only their, their education and what they needed to do, but also other life skills that kind of can outweigh educational standards, right? So we wanted to teach them, you know, more social skills and stronger social skills. We wanted to teach them, you know, money management or like how to make breakfast and all these kind of tools that's going to enhance their life. And we wanted the flexibility to do that throughout our day and not have to have it kind of bound by certain time frames. No, that makes a lot of sense. You're really protecting your time. There's a stereotype, I think, about homeschooled kids that they aren't socialized, that they don't get out, that they just hang out at home all day with their parents and they, they're they not ready for the real world. But I think it's come a long way. I mean, you've plugged into a village and these kids are getting socialized and living a very rich life that they probably wouldn't in public school. That's a really great uh, great perspective, I would say, because I do get asked that question almost every time they hear that I'm homeschooled, but I kind of counter that too because my husband, he's an introvert at heart, and that's who he is, and I love him for it, but, you know, growing up in public school, he kept to himself, so he only had, you know, one or two friends, and I wouldn't say he was incredibly socialized by going to public school either, so... Um, I, I always have the mentality of looking at every situation and saying, why is it done this way? Does that way work with our family or not? And then pivot from there. You, you have so many choices on how you want to raise your kids, how you want to parent, how you want to have your job. Um, why not take a perspective on it and question why you do certain things and figure out what works for your family? I will say that we have an agreement to where if homeschooling doesn't work for us because I need to go back to work more full time or whatnot, then we'll pivot as a family. But um, based on our entrepreneurial spirits, I don't really foresee that in our future. I love that you're being, that you're open to alternatives. You're not being super rigid about it. It's working right now. It works with your family. And if things change in the future, you'll cross that bridge when you come to it. Absolutely.
I feel like that's one of the big takeaways in life is you just got to be flexible and adaptable. You never know what's going to get thrown your way. So, yeah. Well, and as parents, sometimes that's hard, especially when you're getting messages all over from society about, you know, you've got to do it exactly this way. It's got to be perfect. And Oh, absolutely. With my first kid, I read all the books and, you know, typical type A first parent, right? Like, He's going to eat every three hours. This is going to happen. Like he'll be talking by this age. And then all three of them just blew all of that, you know, never, never what it said by the book. And so, you know, as becoming a parent, you have to learn that skill set by trial by fire. I'm almost sometimes where you have to learn to pivot and adapt and just be flexible on what each scenario brings you. I think you're like a superstar adapter. I don't feel like it, but you're kind. (laughs) As a parent, I bet you know what it feels like to lose yourself in parenthood. You love your kids and you do anything for them, but you're tired and you have that nagging feeling that there are parts of you that have been neglected. Maybe it's your creativity, your career, your health, your friendships, your marriage, or all of the above. There is a way to embrace parent life without putting yourself last. In six months, when you look back on your life, what would you like to see? How would you like to feel? Imagine what it would be like to take confident, easeful action, knowing that you're on the right path because you're honoring your whole self. If this resonates with you, it's time to book a free coaching session with me. I offer personalized one-on-one coaching at your pace, weekly or bi-weekly, to help you envision the life you dream of and to support you as you achieve your goals in ways that actually feel good. Go to karenjanedewitt.co to book your free visioning session with me today. Now, if you're used to putting yourself last, it may feel scary to take the leap, but there's nothing to lose and there's no cost to check it out. Just go to karenjanedewitt.co to book your free session. When do you relax? Oh, that's a great... Okay, so I have to admit I have guilty pleasure TV shows that I love to watch. Um, I just finished one on Netflix and I think I watched it in the course of a weekend but um what show it was called Virgin River it came out like three or four years ago it's incredibly like a Hallmark style tv show but I loved it I also find other ways to relax so in the morning I actually get up about an hour before my kids get up and I have found that time to be my sacred time of the day and if I don't have that time my days seem a lot harder And I'm not necessarily doing anything specific. It's more just walking through what my day looks like and setting intention for the day. And so every day I have like three critical tasks that I want to get done and I write them down and I see them daily and I just work towards what they are. And they're very bite-sized pieces. It's like some days it is do one load of laundry and get it put away. Awesome. Done. Totally got it out. Other times it's, um, you know, setting for an exam or it's something that's going to take more time throughout the week. And I just try and write down tangible things that happen so that I can look back at the end of the day and say, hey, look at all the stuff that we got done. That's kind of how I stay energized and focused about my days. I'm a big to-do list person. There is a list just to your right with about 30 items on it. <laughs> yes. Do you ever add things to your list that you've already done just so you can get the satisfaction of crossing them off? Yes, that's so important. It's a mental game, right? Oh, I do that all the time. Even if it's like, 
I washed my hair. Okay, I did that today. Like, that was a win, and that should be celebrated. Absolutely. It's so important to acknowledge what you're up to because it can be so easy to focus on what you're not getting done or what you didn't have time for. But then when you have that big, long list of stuff checked off, you can say, damn. Yeah. How do you know you're doing too much? So I know I'm doing too much whenever I cannot self-regulate myself. So I can find myself either being more irritated by small things that don't matter. Like clutter is one of those things for me where my house is not Susie Homemaker, whoever that person might be, um, clean. It is an organized, chaotic factory of love is kind of how I describe it. (laughs) And I'm fine with that. Totally fine. That's just reality. And that's fine. Um, And it usually never bothers me, but I can tell whenever I'm reaching my tipping point, I'll see that one piece of paper that's been there for two weeks and I just feel suddenly enraged and angry and I'm like, why is this paper there? Why isn't anybody cleaning it up? And I'm like, why am I behaving this way? I'm acting almost like a child at this point. And so it's usually things like that. When I can't regulate how I'm feeling internally, that's when I know I've either done too much that day or maybe I'm overstimulated auditorily or something along those lines and I need to take five, 10 minutes and just recenter myself to focus on what's next. Do you ever wear earplugs? I actually got some of those ones. The loop earplugs? Yes. Loop, sponsor me. All of my friends are buying loop earplugs because we're all overstimulated. Seriously, they got me good on Instagram, man. They worked a lot. And I only had to really only wear one and it really helped. Um, but then I kind of explored a little bit more about why I was feeling overstimulated. And so I've been doing some um, sound therapy healing and it kind of rewires things in, in your brain to process different levels of frequencies. And so you kind of figure out what frequencies kind of trigger you and how to process through them. So that's been really helpful. Um, but that's kind of a long journey answer, I guess. Tell me more because I have very strong sound triggers. Totally. Um, So you wear these headphones and it's actually, you listen to classical music, um, but in between all of that, you kind of hear some longer pitched sounds and it's like a 30, 45 day course and you kind of repeat it and each frequency sound hits a different level. And so it works you up and then it works you back down and it kind of reorganizes the brain to be able to adapt and accept those frequencies easier over time. So you can't do it like one time and then, oh, I'm suddenly better. It's kind of an ongoing conversation. It, it's great also for kids who might be loudspeakers or also get overstimulated as well real easily. That would be very helpful for my son as well because he's really sensitive to sound. He gets overwhelmed, especially in social situations by noise. Absolutely. Yeah, my, my middle was the same way. And I he's been on and off sound therapy for about a year now. And it's it's helped him have less of a high trigger response in those scenarios. So I met you through the Facebook group that you run. What's it called? The Leander Cedar Park Women's Group. Okay. And you seem to have this magical ability to bring people together. You've never met a stranger. Never. Oh, I, that's what my husband always kids. Every time we go somewhere, I feel like I know someone or I'll just strike up conversation with anybody. And he goes, we can't go anywhere. You just talk to everyone. And I was like, well, it's kind of fun. Yeah. And people always respond really well to it. They're always caught off guard. And I actually find that really interesting. Yeah. People want to talk about themselves and 
in a place like Leander and Cedar Park, where there's a lot of new businesses, people are so excited to talk about what they're up to. It's an exciting place to be. Absolutely. It's such a sweet town. And, it, you know, it, I've been here for 10 years and it's changed a lot. Um, but everyone's, the people are still the same. They're still really genuine people. And what I, why I love talking with people is that, like you said, they want connection. They want to have friendships. They want to be heard. Whatever that might be, they yearn for that. And sometimes they just need to be pulled out of their shell a little bit. I've only known you for a few months, but every time I'm around you, it's like you just make people so happy. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> so have you always had this strength or is this something that you developed over time? I've always felt like I was a connector at heart even back in you know high school days and early college days. Um, but I feel like I've been shaped a lot. Um, you know, when I graduated from high school, I left town and went to a brand new state, a new city, everything, and kind of threw myself in. I had to find community. And so I just reached out naturally and just got plugged in and had a lot of mentors along that way of people looking out for me and shaping me. And so, um, I know that played a big role in building to where I am now. And even in my career, when I used to work full time out of the house, um, my job was to talk to people and to get them involved in what I was doing and to plug them in in their own unique ways. And so it's always been a part of who I am. What's your vision for the networking group? You know, if you just peel back all the layers, the foundation of it is I just want women to be empowered by each other and supported by each other whether you're a mom or a, a dog mom or a, wherever you are i want you to feel like you feel like you have a place to go you have a village you can count on and you have resources in your hand of people that are going to have your back no matter what step you take next I've been a part of a lot of facebook mom groups and facebook networking groups and there's a lot of variety out there and things can turn negative really quickly. <laughs> yes, they can. And I have been in many of those as well. I usually end up leaving those groups because I do too. yeah, you I don't see the value add back in my own life or I just don't see yeah, I don't see the value add back in my own life. And I can definitely see the difference in the group that you're running. There's just a positive, supportive environment, and you have in-person events, too. That is so important. It's so important, and it's so sweet whenever the women come out because they they don't know anyone either, but they're willing to take that first step, and that says everything. Like They, they want to meet friends. They want to get out there, and they want to find themselves as a person and then how they fit into a group of friends or whatever they might be needing, and they come out and they openly share about where they are, and that is a very rare thing to find. So many women are carrying around these amazing ideas for projects they want to do, for businesses they want to start. I mean, I personally, I was carrying around this idea for this podcast <laughs> and I went to uh, my first in-person event from your group, the Leander Cedar Park Women's Networking Group. That's a mouthful. Um, and I just started talking about it and every woman there was like, I'll be a guest on, on your podcast. I think that's a great idea. I've got microphones. I've got software. My husband does that. We could get together. I'll use the, you can use my place. People were jumping on all over me to help me and encourage me. And I left that event on 
fire. Like I knew that I had to make this a reality and here we are. That's so exciting to hear. And that's what it's about, right? Like what a beautiful thing to come to a group and say, Hey, I have this idea. And then you were just instantly supported. You don't have to question. You just, you have a network and you're, and you've got some people that'll help you walk through that process or brainstorm with you or give you the energy that you need to take that next step. It's a beautiful thing. What advice would you give to someone who wanted to create that sense of community and support in their own group? The very first step, honestly, is allowing yourself to be vulnerable to let people pour into you. And I will openly admit, I am not the best at that at all. Asking for help is never very easy or being willing to put yourself out there sometimes is awkward or you know hard. And if, if you're willing to kind of take back that first layer and kind of expose more of who you are with whatever group you're in, you'll then see what your group is really about, which is hard. All of that's hard or really beautiful at the same time. I mean, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, let, putting yourself out there as an entrepreneur or while you're networking can be really tough. So my first business was a pastry business and we have this in common. <laughs> and I was much younger. I was in a very different place in life and I really didn't like myself. I had a business coach who told me over and over, you have to make this about you. This is your, where is your story in this? And I was pretty adamant that I didn't want my story to be part of it. I wanted this to be about the pie. I wanted it to be about how it tastes. I wanted a certain aesthetic. I did not want to talk about myself. And years later, here we are another, what, 10, 12 years later, and I'm going through this process again. And I realize now how much, I didn't know I didn't like myself at the time, but now I see I was hiding. I knew that I was good at what I was doing, that I was perfectly capable. Now, this time it's a whole different thing where I I know that I can do this. I know that I'm good at what I'm doing. And I also really like myself. I love my life. I have nothing to hide. I have a beautiful family. I've worked really hard to get here. I've worked for over a decade just on my mental health. And it's like, wow, all of that work was to get to where I am now. and. I don't have to hide anymore. And that's what people want to hear. They want to know who you are as a person and your journey and your life. That's what people are actually after. Like you can make a great product. You can be a great marketer. You can be a great mom even, but you've got to find yourself inside of it and be proud of that wherever you are. It can be messy. Let it be messy. That's okay. Yeah. And have a lot of compassion for yourself on that journey. I look back on that very young version of myself and I had no idea how much I had to grow and I'm there. It's the work is never done. (laughs) There's never an end to stopping to it at all. (laughs) (laughs) But I have a lot of compassion for that person and you know, she's still in there. So when you meet someone new, when you're out networking, do you usually feel an instant connection to them or does it take some time to figure out, you know, how this person is going to be in your life? There's definitely a balance of both. Um, Some people I meet and I feel like I've known them my whole life. And um, again, I hear my husband in my head and he's like, all your friends are your best friends because I, I just treat everyone like very joyfully very welcoming um, and I because that's how I would want to be treated meaning especially somebody new um, 
so there are there are a few people I can think of where we just hit it off and we just aligned instantly and we just started running together in a friendship and, and business partners and others take a little bit of time to kind of figure out where they might fall and I used to see it as oh there's nothing going to happen there there's nothing there but now I kind of view it as what value can I add back to this person's life that will help them move forward, regardless of we work together or not, or we hit it off or not. What do they need to grow as a person or how can I help them in some capacity? And that's kind of changed my interactions with people. So I moved here about a year and a half ago and I had a really hard time integrating into this town because everything that I knew was in Austin and anytime we wanted to go out to dinner, we would just drive to Austin. Anytime we wanted to hang out with people, we would just go visit our Austin friends. And this year I made a really clear intention to find my people, find my places, find my people, really dig into my life here in Cedar Park. But, you know, when you meet people, and you have that connection with them, sometimes, you know, you go out to coffee and you're like, okay, now what? How do you take that next step? Most of the time I will find some kind of event happening in town and just get people together. And and in my experience, if people are really wanting true community and wanting those friendships, they'll show up. They may not show up at the next one, but they might at the next one. Or it's some kind of way to kind of plug them in. Um to kind of take it to that next step because it, it is kind of awkward after you have that first coffee and then it's like a first date right you're like do i call you can i text you like you want to hang out again and then like you kind of have to figure out do our kids get along like if your kids are there whatever that might look like and so most of the time it's another kind of big social get together and then from there i try and break it into something smaller um i am known as my love language is food so most of the time, if we have like a coffee or something first, I'm inviting you over to my house next to have dinner with me or some kind of thing at my house, like come hang out because there's something about inviting people into your home that's intimate and beautiful. And you kind of get to see more of who they are as opposed to out in like a, a public event or something like that. Right before the pandemic, we moved into a house that was, it was a rental beautiful house, covered patio on the backyard, just absolutely stunning. And little did we know <laughs> that <laughs> within a couple of months, we would all be stuck there. So on the bright side, we were stuck in a beautiful home. We loved it. It was big enough. The house that we had moved from would have been absolute hell to go through the pandemic in. So we, um, we scored there. But on the flip side, I wanted to host and I couldn't host anybody. We had our little bubble of people and you know, we would go to their house and they'd come over and it was mostly outside and thank God it was like a good time of year to be outside. Um, but then when we moved to this house, I was like, we're having people over. We're having people over all the time, but none of my friends live here. <laughs> they all live in Austin. <laughs> That's why I'm cre I created this group partly just to get to know more parents and bring people together and get some people in this house. You see the value of that. I feel you, girl, on that whole time we were stuck at home. I even turned and did so many Facebook Lives. So I was like, is anybody out there? Hello? Um, hi, you wanna hang out? Like, just let me know. 
I was showcasing like our garden we got started. We got chickens and you know, the whole kit and caboodle. It's like, come and play with my chickens. Hey there, have you joined the Juggling Joy parent group yet? If you're in the Cedar Park Leander area, you definitely should. We throw family-friendly, in-person events so you can make friends, have fun, and get involved in your community. Did I mention it's free to join? The sign-up link is in the show notes, or you can go to Facebook and search for Juggling Joy Parent Group. If you're not on Facebook, you can sign up for the newsletter at KarenJaneDeWitt.co. See you there! So you and your husband are both entrepreneurs and you've got this homeschool thing going on and you talked about your values as a family. Tell me about how entrepreneurship ties into your values. Absolutely. So one thing I love about homeschooling is that we can make it what we want it to be. And so they're, they're learning about how to own their own schoolwork, own their own schedules, get their things done. And alongside that, um, I have my own business that I own and my husband does freelance videography work as well. And having that kind of flexibility in our schedules, you know, feeds into homeschooling as well. But then my kids are seeing how we pivot our days and we make the days what we want them to look like. So for example, sometimes I get up and I I make um, cinnamon rolls and so I'll make those in the morning and then we'll pivot to homeschool and then my husband has a photo shoot or whatever that might look like. And we pull them into our business with them. So a lot of times what I've seen is a traditional structure is school is here, kids are here, work is here, and they're kind of their own separate buckets. I don't view it that way. I view them all intertwined together. And so, yes, I do take time to, you know, vision plan for my business and stuff on my own without my children. My husband does the same thing. But everything else, they kind of flow in and out with us. So there are times whenever um, my oldest, that's now nine, is learning kind of the bookkeeping side of my cinnamon roll business, which is beautiful. Or there's times now, even when my six-year-old helps pack up stuff that my husband takes on a film shoot because they're interested in what we're doing and we're teaching them how, and we're, we're bringing them into our entrepreneurship life because I would love Let's say if I happened upon a coffee shop, I'm like, maybe I could like buy it one day perhaps, right? And then what a beautiful thing to be like, I have this business, I want you to start running it, we're gonna do it together, and then pass something on to your kids. And then they can choose to either continue with it or they could sell it and then move on to something else. And so I want to teach them these business skill sets and life skill sets through their teenage years and give them the empowerment to make the choices of where they want to go in life and and allow the opportunity to happen. I'm sure all three have very different strengths and you could see those playing out as, entre- as an entrepreneur too. Oh, absolutely. My first child is your typical type A, by the book kind of mentality. And my middle child is wild and he'd be a freelancer artist. Visionary. Absolutely. that. And so the two of them together work out great because my first has a plan, my second kind of wings it. And it works, you know, a couple days ago, they came to me and said, hey mom, we wanna sell off our Pokemon cards to make money to go buy a new, some elite trainer box set or something. Um, And so they put together packs and researched how much it needed to be. And then they found out ways to market it and they totally owned it themselves. 
And I, I just had to give them kudos because that's where it kind of starts. And it was just really cool. They had the thought to do that and they figured out how to follow through, how to even do market research to figure out the costs and everything else. And they loved that experience. When did your kids start to learn about money? So we actually teach them about money um, in pre-K. I learned this motto from a, a nice um, woman at our school that she goes, you don't work for free, so why should your kids work for free, right? And I was like, you have a valid point there. And so um, I will also wanted to teach my kids tangible money, not just you have a card and money's floating in the air somewhere, right? And so I pay them for doing school. Um, and that through that process, they learned the money system, how to trade out for money, how to count money. They're learning math. It's multi, it's multi-layered, right? And so they were already being exposed to that from like by first grade, all my kids could count money and do all the things they needed to do with it. And then it's about that age where we started doing an envelope method for them. So I pay them a certain number each week and they divide it between saving, spending, and giving. Um, and then they get to choose where that money goes. If they want to give to their church, if they want to give to a nonprofit, if they want to make a meal for someone and take it to their friend, they have the money to do that. And then they're already saving their money away. And then they have their spending because they're kids. And they know how much they get per month and how much they have to save to do what they need to get done. And so we've been doing that with them for, I mean, four or five years now. And it's really paid off because they, they just see the value of it. They know like what they need and they see the way that their money can impact other people's lives because that's the responsibility part. I mean, I could be like, here's 20 bucks, go give that to so-and-so, but it's different if they're like, hey, I've saved up you know, $10. I wanna go buy this for somebody else because they feel sad or I wanna go you know, give it to buy Easter eggs for a church egg hunt coming up. It's just, it's really beautiful to see how their hearts have the freedom to make those choices. How long did it take them to start saving? Well, we made it mandatory. <laughs> so they always had to put, um, they, the amount they get can be evenly split three ways. And so that, that certain amount always had to go into savings and they can't touch it. Um, and they want to touch it. And my middle kid like tries to switch it out sneakily on me, but I kind of know like what's in there. And I'm like, I don't think that's entirely true. Um, but they are not allowed to save the saving part. They just don't touch it. So my son, uh, he's five and a half, and we're doing allowance with him. So he gets, we have four categories. One is brushing your teeth twice a day. One is making your bed every day. These are two things that he loves to do and enjoys to do. They're like no brainers, so he always gets that money. And then there's the category of having a good day at school. So he gets a note from his teacher every day. And then the fourth one is usually a big challenge and his current challenge is being nice to his sister. So that one we're working on. But so he has these four categories and if he completes each category at the end of the week, then he gets 50 cents per category. And we, it's like a whole ritual. We go, we get out the jar. I say, here's what you did. Here's what you didn't do. How are you gonna have a better week? Or if it was a good week, I say, what did you do to have such a good week? And just have a real intentional conversation about it, which he loves. <laughs> and then he winds up with about 250 sometimes, two 250. I cannot even imagine him wanting or being able to save. So I like that you make it mandatory. I, I do. How much money do you have? Zero. What did you spend your money on? 
Um, snacks. What kind of snacks? Scooby Doo snacks. Was it good? Yeah. What are you gonna work on this week to get more money? Um, being good and being nice to my sister and making my bed <laughs> and brushing my teeth. Yeah. And How are you gonna be nice to your sister? Um. <laughs> what? How are you gonna be nice to your sister? Um, letting her um, play with my toys when she asks. What are you gonna do when you get mad? Um, take a buddy breath and calm my down. That's right. And name my feeling. Name your feeling? Yeah. That's a great idea. If you had a hundred dollars, what would you spend it on? My own school. You'd buy your own school? Yeah. You think that costs a hundred dollars? I love that you have those conversations with him at the end of the week and how excited he is. They're so excited about mm-hmm. that. And you know, we have our weeks where my middle where I have a we've been working on a non-emotional response because sometimes he doesn't want to do some of the chores I ask him to do and he, you know, stomps his feet, wants to yell, throw a fit, and I just don't respond to it. I just say you can do this or you cannot. You can get paid or you cannot. And I you just stay totally neutral non-triggered response and then whenever he sees that I'm not triggered he always changes his attitude and he's like okay I'll get it done I'm like there we go so that's been that's been one of my flexibility curves to learn hard is it not to let myself get triggered so I can give a calm response back because then he will respond completely different than if I met his emotional level and you're modeling that for him he knows what it looks like and he can copy you right because it's not worth getting upset about and and the the outcomes are a a a natural consequence so either you get paid or you don't same if you were an adult if i go to my job i get paid or i don't no different just the facts yep it's just there's nothing emotional about it i'm not mad at you you've done nothing wrong but you get paid or you don't those are your choices there are no other options on the table Mm mm-hmm and sometimes he has chosen to not get paid, and that was his choice. At the end of the week, he felt sad because he didn't get paid, and then we talked about it, and he had to learn that lesson, and that's also okay. Are you ready for lightning round? Sure. I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> What's your favorite local place to meet up with other parents and your kids? Ooh, the Leander Trucking Company that just opened up. I love that they have a playground, super fun, there's something for everybody to eat there. The owners are super sweet people, and it's a great new place to go in town. Of course you know the owners. Uh, they're super awesome. What up, Wade? What is the best meal you've ever eaten? I'm going to be honest. I love a good burger. <laughs> Can I plug somebody else in Leander? Yes. Okay, so Shark's Burger is the best burger around. I don't know how. So Dino's the owner. I don't know how he does it. But every time I have that burger, it just like hits that spot that you just are craving every single time. So hands down, that's one of the best meals I've ever had was from Shark's Burger. It's amazing. What's your go-to order at Shark's Burger? I am so basic. So it is just like a plain cheeseburger with like lettuce and pickle and that's it. (laughs) Now I love like a fried egg and avocado if we're getting fancy. 
Um, but it's a build your own and it is so good. How are the fries? Amazing. You got to have them. Yes. I love getting good recommendations. What's the last book you read? Oh, I was called Flip the Script and it was actually from my dear friend Brittany and she was it's her first book that she wrote and it was all about um, empowering women to step into the roles of who they are and also kind of who God called them to be at the same time. It was a really, because she's focusing on, on teenage girls and we all know kind of the negative dialect that we can have with ourselves at that age and she doesn't want anyone to feel like they're shortchanging their lives and missing the calling they have in their life to step into. Wow. It was Can you find that, Amaz- that on Amazon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It What's just it called out? again? Flip the Script. Flip the Script by Brittany... Uh, Brittany Estes. Estes. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a question for my fellow baker. Cake or pie? Ooh, that's hard. Oh, they're totally different flavor palettes. That one's tricky. Cake or pie? No. Oh. Pie. Correct. <laughs> Do I have to say that because you're sitting here? <laughs> but yeah, it's pie. What's your favorite pie flavor? I like pumpkin, but buttermilk's the best. I love buttermilk it's too. It's the best pie. It's my favorite pie. I'm not really a fruit pie person. I'm more of like a savory pie person. Quiche all day. All day. Is that a pie? Oh, yeah. I didn't. Well, you know, I don't know. It's a pie. Chicken pot pie. I guess that's a pie. No. That's not a pie. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I used to make this pie called brie and pear. It was brandied pears and brie. So the whole bottom of the pie, I guess it's more of a tart, but you line the bottom of the pie crust with sliced brie, and then you dip um, pears, like very thinly sliced red pears in brandied brown sugar, cinnamon deliciousness. And then you create this like rose pattern on the top of the pie. Oh, my God. So you're making this next time I see you, right? Because that sounds <laughs> amazing. Well, maybe this summer we can have a pie baking class. Yes. I'm so in. How can people buy your delicious sourdough cinnamon rolls? <laughs> so I have a Facebook page. It's called Sweet Dough. And you can just pop on there, shoot me a message. You can book online through the Facebook page. Um or just comment however you want to, and we'll work out a time and date that's good for you and get you hooked up. Awesome. And that's sweet dough, all one word. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was my pleasure. I love chatting with you. Here's a big heartfelt thank you for listening to today's episode of Juggling Joy. You can follow the show on Spotify to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Karen Jane DeWitt. I'll see you around. Music